if you bring some curiosity, it's sort of like developing your own internal coach here. You can work with a coach and it's like, you're like, oh, they're telling me to work with a coach. No, I'm telling you, you can develop your own internal coach. This coach in the sense of a coaching mindset of compassion, curiosity, and just what I call a keen observer. And what is the observer doing and what they're not doing? What they're not doing is judging. And that's the thing that with ADHD, we can do lightning fast is judge. Something happens and we judge. Something doesn't happen and we judge. Or we feel the judgment of others, which is then elicits an RSD response to that judgment, whether it's real or perceived. Welcome to Successful with ADHD. I'm Brooke Schnittman. Let's get started. Welcome everybody to another episode of Successful with ADHD. I have the amazing Cameron Gott, and Cameron is not new to this ADHD thing. Uh, he's, in fact, been doing this since 2000 as an executive function and ADHD coach. Cameron is an ICF trained and certified coach. Uh, he has his PCC certification, and he works with creative leaders, business owners worldwide to help them take action more efficiently and lead more effectively. He also is the co-host of one of the highest performing ADHD podcasts, Translating ADHD, and has trained and mentored ADHD coaches since 2006, which is when I graduated from college, people. Um, <laughs> and he's done that through Coach Approach. He also is a new member of the JST coaching team, which is where I got my ADHD coaching and he teaches group coaching classes through Translating ADHD and Melissa Orlov's ADHD Marriage Program. I've had Melissa on one of my previous podcasts at ADHD Power Tools. And he's now curious about the nexus of ADHD emotional intelligence and motivation through equanimity, group coaching effort. And Cameron lives outside of Charlottesville, Virginia in the shadow of the Blue Ridge Mountains with his wife and two children. So today we are going to be talking about ADHD and questions that are going to go a little bit deeper as far as like the new um, research with ADHD and going also into a lot of the whys and why cans and unanswerable feelings of blame. So we're going to get really deep on today's episode of Successful with ADHD. <laughs> Cameron, welcome. Uh, thanks, Brooke. I'm, I'm happy to be here. We were just talking before the, the episode, just how we've been sort of in these circles, not connecting. And so it's just how, how small this world is, but also how big it's getting because, you know, you and I have not formally met. So it's great to meet you and, and be on your podcast. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so excited to have you and I've heard about you for a very long time. So I appreciate you being on here. So you have worked with clients for over 25 years and we're going to be talking about leveling up the questions you ask yourself or ask better questions. So we know that with ADHD, it makes us ask the same questions over and over again, especially like the why questions, like why can't I, why do I always? Um, so can you tell us a little bit about these unanswerable questions that promote feelings of blame, shame, and rejection? Sure. And I think that blame, shame, and dread and rejection are one area, right? We can have other areas of regret 
And so there's all kinds of iterations of this sort of playing out where we are trying to answer these questions or trying to level up, but we can't get off the level we're on. So you were so kind. You're like, I'm not new to coaching. That's very kind. Or excuse me, I'm not, I, I am, I am a, not new to ADHD. So it's a kind way of saying that I am an ADHD ancient. I'm, I'm a... <laughs> that's not, that's how you interpreted it. That's not what I meant. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I embrace You're experienced. that. I embrace it wholeheartedly. Okay. We talk about gray matter, you know, right. I am old gray matter. Okay. That's what I am. Just so because you have fine. gray hair doesn't mean that you're old gray matter. <laughs> oh, oh no, no. This is what my children tell me, Brooke. Okay. And it's okay. I, instead of rejecting it, I'm accepting it. But the thing is today, I, I think there's a real opportunity to share with people, again, the frustration of trying to manage ADHD and that we can get kind of hung up in these levels we're sort of engaging with the same level or these same questions that are, they're not satisfying. And as you said, it's this, this why, like, wh why is this so hard? Why do I have ADHD? Yeah. And it's so fascinating that you talked about these levels because I was coaching someone yesterday and this is a successful person who was going through that same level of question. It's like, I have all of these different planners and I'm doing all these different programs and I just feel like a failure because I'm never doing what my intention is. And it was, it's the same story session after session. And it was like, it took about four sessions to really break in there and create some level of trust and awareness to move forward together as a right. team. And yeah. I thought to myself, like, wow, you know, because you and I have been doing this for a while, we use these strategies that we help clients get to, right? So you really have to take a level back on some things and say, okay, they're going through similar to what we have gone through like 20 years ago, five years ago, whatever, and let's meet them where they are and work with them with that level to try to raise them up to that next level so they don't have to keep repeating that same story. Yeah. And so that's a great way to put it. And and part of that, you know, being an ADHD ancient is I have all this you know, experience of sort of seeing people grappling with their ADHD. And the thing that I recognize is that they're all engaging at different levels. They're all engaging at different levels and it's, and so that just got my attention. And I thought a gaming metaphor analogy would be helpful here to kind of set this up if that's okay. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm not a gamer because when I try to game, my head kind of explodes. Uh, I don't game. My kids game, right? So they're gamers. And there's sort of two things that I noticed that had them disengage from their gaming. Okay. And, I'm, and it's sort of, there's a corollary here with ADHD. So the first is my daughter who, she was playing Zelda, one of the mm. Zeldas. That was my favorite game going up, growing up. I will say I used to be a gamer when I was a little kid. Yeah. So she's playing Zelda and she's, you know, engaged and she's interested in it. And it's a, there's a great story there. And she, you know, convinces me to like help, you know, buy this thing so she can level up and uh, et cetera, et cetera. She reaches this point where a level where she cannot get past this thing, this initiative, this challenge. 
can't get by it. So you can go on YouTube and you can look up cheats and hacks and strategies and how do I get around this particular challenge? So she got all that information. She went in and tried to do that. Couldn't make it happen. Just the whatever it was, she couldn't get past this challenge. So what did she do? She stopped. Uh, she she yeah. stopped. She disengaged. And it, she took the emotion out of it. Well, and she took her investment out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And what did she do? She went to something else in the sense of she's got another game. She's fully engaged and she's getting really good at it. So she just left Zelda because there's other options. On the flip side of that, there's my son. So my son during COVID, when he was a senior uh, in high school, what he did was learn to game better. <laughs> With all the remote learning, that's what he was doing on the sly. Well, guess what? He goes to college and he gets on an esports team. He is on an esports team at uh, Virginia Tech. Cool. And he's he is he is engaging and and he's thriving. He's leveling up. He is engaged. He's becoming really excellent, one of the better players on the team for this particular game. He does it for a couple semesters, checking in with him. He's like, you got any, do you have a, do you have a tournament this weekend? No, I, I quit. You quit? Why'd you quit? Nah, wasn't interesting. Kind of lost interest. Right? So there's two examples where my daughter, it was too hard. For my son, it was too easy loss of interest. And the thing is, is I want to bring this back to with trying to navigate ADHD, it can be two things. It can be often very difficult, very challenging. The example of your client of like, why is this so hard? I have all these different tools. Why is it this way? It's a conundrum and it's a frustrating. So some days we wake up and it's so hard just to get mm -hmm. up and navigate our day. On the flip side, there is a certain tedium about managing ADHD, right? It's like all these different things. And what do we have? We have an interest-based nervous system from William Dodson. So if we lose interest, what do we do? We disengage. And so these are the two boundaries, Brooke, that are happening as we are trying to engage with our ADHD is it, it can be very easily too hard and difficult, and it can be also, not interesting. I'm tired of this. Can I just be done? Can we be 100%. done with this? Right? And so there you have it. And within that, then we have the asking of the these difficult questions that don't get us the answers to move forward in the game we're playing, whatever game that is. And so yes. today, what I'd like to do is share some of these common levels we get hung up on. Yeah. And what you can do as an individual to kind of break through those levels. Absolutely. I would love to talk about that. And I'm glad that you brought up the, you know, you get so bored that you quit or you are so overwhelmed that you also quit. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because my book that's coming out, Activate Your ADHD Potential, I talk about how to get through the shame spiral. I call it the ADHD disruption cycle, mm -hmm. going between overwhelm and underwhelm and everything in between. And so there is to our point of also being on the same page as usual. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that um, you and I are like-minded coaches and we see that 
being in 30 years in this, 25 years, I mean, 30 years of a diagnosis with ADHD and 25 years working in this area, the challenges of ADHD haven't changed, right? It's, it's pretty consistent. What we are learning about it is changing, right? Again, the, what we're learning uh, about the neuroscience and the neurobiology and- Different medications and how it works with RSD and- Right, and RSD and um, emotional dysregulation and, and sort of the tie-in between ADHD and emotional uh, dysregulation. So what we're learning is evolving, but you and I as coaches, recognize there's certain things that work and certain things that don't work, right? And one thing is kind of getting into these cycles of asking the same questions that might be infused by an emotion that is not serving you in that moment, right? So Absolutely. one in particular, I call, you call it the blame or spiral or, or shame spiral. Mm -hmm. I, I call it blame and shame, right? Those two things that are sort of blaming oneself, blaming others, feeling a sense of shame or dread mm -hmm. on the podcast we talk about one down this one down position that is so difficult to level up from that place because that emotion is informing the questions you're asking and if your questions are perpetuating the blame and shame you're gonna stay locked on this level I, I think that's genius. I love the level analogy because it's so visual and so many of us ADHDers are visual. So I, I can see that. I can feel that, right? And I think that those questions that we ask ourselves, like you said, if we don't have a toolbox of other questions, then we're stuck and we're seeing, we don't see the forest between the trees. We're just in it. And because of our emotions, you and I, even as PCC coaches, we can still be stuck in that when we're emotional, unless we potentially redirect our attention and come back and become calm and then ask ourselves different questions. But not everyone has those tools or awareness. Right, right. And that was, again, when I think about back on my own experience with ADHD, is that I was on this level where I was navigating and I had very little awareness of what I was doing. And so awareness is one of those things that often clients new to coaching will be like, Cam, I have plenty of awareness. So I don't need any more awareness. What I need is I need production. I need, I need action. Tools. I need, I need tools in order to perform as you were talking about your, your client, right? I have all these things and it's like, why can't I do the thing that I intend to do, which is actually that is what ADHD is in an absolute nutshell right there. Yeah. Brooke, there's, there's a couple more levels that I'd like to share Please. in addition to that blame shame is this, again, this, this recognition. And by the way, listeners, um, as you're listening to this, watch out for the double blame shame effect where it's like, oh, I'm in blame shame. And then it's like, I shouldn't be here. And you bring on more blame shame or dread Comparing or feeling yourself. bad about. Yeah. Where you are is where you are. And so the first step is be where you are. So I just want to say, as I share these, don't try to scurry or run away from this level because you're just going to slip back into it. And I'll tell people or I'll share why that is. But so first and foremost, 
just breathe and be where you are and have your eyes open and be kind of like, okay, where am I? Am I in the blame shame spiral? Am I in a different place? And so there's a couple more that I'd like to share. Another one that's emotionally tinged is the, is the woulda, coulda, shoulda. So woulda, coulda, shoulda is this more about mm. regret. And you're mm. kind of looking back on the life that you know was, and it's sort of going back and looking at old stories or old experiences. And I, I kind of wish that this had turned out differently. This often happens actually, Brooke, when we get a diagnosis, we kind of go back to the life that we had before the diagnosis. And it's like, how would have this played out if I didn't have ADHD? Is a common story that gets perpetuated and that circular thinking reinforces. And it's an interesting thing that's at play, Brooke, is that our dynamic sense of time, right, of, of how we're very fluid with time mm -hmm. and the memory aspect of we're very selective with memories. And we, so we go to a very strong emotional memory of some time in the past. And it's like, we're there, we are there. And it's like, and it's like, and so it's, in, but we're actually here right now, right? You and I are talking to each other and that was then, and this is now, but we can go back and just be living in that space again. And that's informing the questions we're asking. Everything is tied to emotion. In order to form a memory, there has to be emotion attached to it. So every human being has negative memories that they that stand out so much more than the positive ones. And with our negativity bias on top of that, those negative memories are ingrained into our brain because of all the emotion that's attached to it. So yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. And we also, the, the negative emotions are much stronger than the positive ones. So our, uh, I'll meet with a client and it's like, how's it going? And it's like, oh, I got this, 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 and this. And it's all the, the negative things that happen in the week. Right, like, so what are your wins? <laughs> what are your wins? And it's like, it takes a little bit of excavating, kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, that happened, right? It's, it takes a little more work, a little more uh, engaging with a level of searching for those wins. So there's a level, an alternative level to play on is like, in your week to look for the completions, to look for the wins, to look for the learning in this experience. The other two, the, there's two more levels I just want to share real quick, and then we'll get into like, well, what do you do? But um, one is, I think it's that it's the performative level. And so it's this, again, uh, I feel it's really interesting. I work with high performers. Uh, I work with leaders. I work with people who have done a lot. And it's like, they've done that, but at a tremendous cost. Cost, right. Because they're hyper-focused on this. They gave up their family. They gave up their relationship. They gave up their health. Exactly. And so it's coming to this recognition of, okay, there's more to this than performance. And I want to, this, this is going out to the parents out there, right? I, I mentor a lot of coaches who work with parents and with kids. And it's that they're like, hey, the, the parents and everyone, the teachers are all focused on the performance, right? When I was in school, it was all about the performance and that's understandable, right? It's that you're in school and there's certain measurements of success. And so you have to be able to, to do that. But so many of my clients, it's once they get out of college, it is a freedom. They're like, oh, I don't have to like, again, try to perform to these 
expectations or standards. It's someone else's setting. Plus, they also don't have the executive function brain of this someone else that's doing it for them or reminding them. So now they their executive functions haven't been trained. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, that whole, it's like, uh, you wouldn't ask a fish to climb a tree. You know, it's like that, that type of thing in the sense of if you're really focused on kind of performing and, and, and high performance and getting to a very specific outcome. So this is cognitive inflexibility that we will paint a picture of success and that anything outside of that picture doesn't exist doesn't exist. So that's that black and white thinking. It's often confused for perfection. And I like the term of more of a exactness, right? There's an exact picture. And it's like, we, again, it's a focus thing. We're looking at this and here's this, all of these other things that are possible that if we just loosen that picture up a little bit, or just, just kind of be more of like, okay, so there's performance, but what else is there? What else can we measure for? What else, can, where, where can I engage in order to level up? That's not just performance based. Totally. I agree. And I was talking to Dr. Gabarmate and he was talking about the difference between like intrinsic self-esteem, true self-esteem and um, contingent self-esteem. And so many people have contingent self-esteem, which is that performance-based self-esteem. And to get to that true self-esteem, it's really hard. Yeah. It is really hard. And, and so um, Russell Barkley talks about the, the four circuits and how everybody focuses on the, the what and the how, and they don't focus so much on the who and the why. And so that sort of, again, the who and the why are really critical and important. And I'll, yeah. I'll make that distinction. We, we'll, we, as coaches, we'll make that distinction of like a why question versus more of like, what is, what is the why here? Mm-hmm. The last one is what I call the, the Groundhog's Day uh, phenomenon. So Groundhog's Day was a movie with Bill Murray and Annie McDowell. It's a great movie. Way back. Great movie. Way back. And the guy, the guy wakes up and he has no memory of the day before. And so he's stuck on Groundhog's Day in uh, Puxitani, PA. PA, yeah, where the, <laughs> okay, where the right. groundhog comes out. Where yeah. the groundhog is, every day. Yeah. And so he's going through this every day, wakes up, no memory of the day before. And so many of my clients, th this picture or analogy resonates with them because they'll wake up in this, this sense of not having any wisdom or knowledge or knowing from the past to inform their future choices, <laughs> right? So it's a movie. It's where like, again, my kids, they went to other games, right? They went, they were like, you know what? I'm out. I'm t I don't have to do this. Here's the, the challenging thing with ADHD is we can't really disengage from this. I mean, we can, but it's like, you know, Bill, yeah, but, but Bill and Andy get together, right? The, they, and it's like, the movie ends on a happy note. And here it's like, we're going through and it feels like we're starting fresh every day. Every day. day. Yep. And so it's this on repeat cycle. It's like, I feel like I'm playing the same level, the same stuff every single day. And oh, guess what? Then it, what does it do? It tips into that tedium and boring. And I'm like, you know what? I, this is really exciting. It doesn't excite me here. So there are the sort of the four cycles and listeners, 
it's like you might have another one that you're sort of like, okay, here's a level that I'm kind of, I feel like I'm stuck on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I think that's, that's huge. Uh, so often people think that ADHD is just constant overwhelm, but it's not true. We get bored when we're doing the same thing over and over again, and that's the o- underwhelm. And I love that your children knew, okay, it's time to get out because this isn't working for me. And it's interesting because I also was on another podcast and I was talking about like, there are just some commitments that you just can't get out of though. You know, like for instance, if I'm on a tennis team, right. And three quarters of the way into my, my tennis season, if I just said, Hey guys, I'm not really feeling this. I don't, I have other things. By <laughs> that wouldn't really, I mean, I could do that, but that wouldn't really land well. And it probably wouldn't be a good decision on my end. And it would impact a lot of other people. The video game decision from your kids, it didn't impact anyone except for themselves. So right. there are some decisions that you can get out of and get out of it fast as soon as you know it's something that's eating you up and taking you away from the things that mean something to you in your life. But there's other things that you have to make a commitment to and you unfortunately very often need to see it through. Exactly. And so that identifying what those things are, engaging with them and engaging to a completion point, those are what I see as the three challenges of ADHD, the actual barriers of identifying what I need to do engaging with it and engaging with it to actual completion points. So that's a great example of you get into um, a tennis league. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. League. And it's like, ah, and I, and I imagine what you're doing is you're seeing it through. So what are you doing? You're, you're actually thinking, okay, how can I make this more interesting to see this through that you exactly. bring some creativity to it. Right. And you're exactly. asking different questions. Exactly. I coach mountain biking. So I've been coaching oh, mountain nice. biking. Yeah. What, so well, I, you have mountains. Again, <laughs> the Blue Ridge got, Mountains got, are beautiful. Yeah, we've got Blue Ridge Mountains. We, Central Virginia has some some great mountain biking. And my kids, it was, again, it's sort of like, I'm not going to be that parent on the sideline watching. I, I, I coach my kids lacrosse in, in you know, lower school, middle school. He was like, I want to do biking. I'm like, great. So it's like, it was an activity we're doing together. And so I've been on that team with my kids. Well, guess what? One of my kids was like, I don't want to do this anymore. She's gone on to something else, taekwondo and uh, horseback riding that she's been doing for some time. And so that's fine. And I was thinking, hmm, you know, I still enjoy this because it's a way to, again, teach. I love teaching. And so it's just, again, thinking about how to make that happen. Today, I'm going I'm going out and I'm doing mountain biking. Um, and so it was that adjustment, uh, sort of thinking about, because I, Brooke, I was at this place of, oh, she's done, I'm done. Right? She's done, I'm done. I'm like, you know what? I love it. So what yeah. can I do to kind of like think about how do I keep doing this thing that I really enjoy doing? I was a school right. teacher for 13 years. Me and too. It's a great, 13 yeah, years. Well, we have so well, much in common. <laughs> I know. And it's like, <laughs> it's a great way to engage with kids and teach them a skill. And mountain biking is this lovely skill of, of life. You know, it's like, okay, you get on your bike and the decisions you make really have consequence. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I think that also as the receiver, so you are a dad who is 
in it with your kids, right? And she says, I'm going to quit. I don't want this anymore. I want to do Taekwondo, which is so ADHD. Um, my <laughs> stepson is like that too. He's like in a million different sports. And at the same time, you having ADHD, you have ADHD, correct? Oh, yeah. Okay. F- yeah. Full on. <laughs> yeah. You having ADHD, you're like, well, I did this. Well, maybe you have a better reason, but I did this because of her and I want to be present in her life. And now she's not doing it. So you know what? Bye. Like that black and white thinking, but then you stopped yourself and you're like, wait a second. It's not about her. It's also helping me. So not everyone's able to do that. Yeah, exactly. So as we're finishing up here, I'll sort of, I want to give people some ideas around like, again, how do you, how do you um, disrupt the level that's not working, right? Again, those four that I shared, and then to engage what are different levels that you engage with. And so at the beginning of the session, you talked about, again, the questions we ask. And so it is, it is, we are constantly having a narrative with ourselves as human beings, right? We're always sort of, sort of, as we go through our day, we're always kind of, and having this internal dialogue of and rationalizing decisions, what we're doing and what we're not doing. Mm-hmm. But before that, I want to talk about, again, back to your emotional state. So as you said, your emotional state informs the type of questions. So before I kind of serve up, like, here are some questions you can ask. It's really about what kind of emotional state can you bring in? And so this is from coaching, actually, Brooke, and I think you'll, you'll appreciate this is, you know, when you think about a coaching mindset, right, what is a coaching mindset to you? When you think of coaching mindset, what is it? Open, open, growth, all that. Curiosity. Yeah. Right. Curiosity, empathy, mm-hmm. right? So empathy for others, empathy for self. So this sort of bringing curiosity to this level where you are. The first thing I said to people was, be where you are. Don't fight it. Just be where you are. Be on that level. If you're on that shame spiral, be in there, but take a step back and start to bring some curiosity. If you bring some curiosity, it's sort of like developing your own internal coach here. You can work with a coach and it's like, you're like, oh, they're telling me to work with a coach. No, I'm telling you, you can develop your own internal coach. This coach in the sense of a coaching mindset of compassion, curiosity, and just what I call a keen observer. Developing this keen observer, we talk a lot about it on the Translating ADHD podcast, is this keen observer. You're observing, and what is the observer doing and what they're not doing? What they're not doing is judging. And that's the thing that with ADHD we can do lightning fast, is judge. Something happens and we judge. Something doesn't happen and we judge. We judge. Or we feel the judgment of others, which is then elicits an RSD response to that judgment, whether it's real or perceived. And so that stepping back and first of all, just, okay, how much judging is going on and giving yourself a break. I used to judge myself. That cognitive so- overload. Exactly. I had to look at what was contributing to my sense of overwhelm. And it was this constant berating of myself or blaming myself, feeling shame, 
blaming others, blaming the situation. Yeah. Yeah. And if your thoughts are always that way, you're burning out and then you're trying to fill up a cup that's already full with productivity. Exactly. Yes. And so this focus on productivity is, again, self-care. I have a simple equation that momentum equals hope plus reserve. So we need to have hope. We have to have a sense of a, like when we're hopeless and we have despair, it's very difficult to get off of a level. If we have hope, but that reserve doesn't come from thin air. I like, I love how you said that cup is full. We need to drop the level in the cup and really think about what is self-care for me so I can boost my bandwidth and have some cognition to put toward this level and getting off this level, engaging with a different level. Yeah. And I know that you and I both talk about the ADHD hierarchy of needs first, mm-hmm. doing that like 1% taking care of yourself before Absolutely. being productive. That is productive. Absolutely. <laughs> the two other things I'll say real quick, game with a friend, right? My kids game with their friends. It is a social event for them. And so as you're engaging with your ADHD is to don't do it alone. Right. Don't do it with people who are just measuring with this kind of very critical or, okay, here's, this is the spot you have to hit, right? These people who might be reinforcing that specific outcome. So gaming with a friend in the sense of talking about your, your challenge. And when you do so, it just changes it. Because blame and shame lives, it, it, it reinforces that isolation. We feel like I can't share this because of the shame, the stigma. Exactly. Versus finding a community of support to work on this with others. The other thing I'll say is context and this solving a dilemma bigger than your ADHD. I think that this is sort of people come and it's like, okay, here's the ADHD, here's the problem. And this is what we're solving versus, you know, you and I are coaches. There's a life coaching element to Mm -hmm. ADHD coaching. My clients are not coming to just solve their ADHD. They want to have a better life. So if you take this, all this hard work and put it towards something bigger, that's what I learned. It was like, I can make a difference in the coaching field. I can make a difference in the ADHD coaching world. And that's where I put all my attention. And guess what? Then I start to fabricate interest there. And then I see, oh, my work on getting better with my own ADHD management serves this other higher interest. So we can fabricate interest, maybe not on the level we're struggling with, but in this other, like, again, what am I working towards? And as you do all those things, then the tenor or the tone of your question starts to change, right? Less of why is this happening to me to more of like, okay. What is my purpose? Why am I doing this? And who's a resource? Who can be a resource? Uh, How can I do this differently? What is a different outcome here that I'm not seeing? But it's again, the questions are infused with more curiosity and you can't fake it. You can't fake that. And so it is. Not with an ADHD -er. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, ah, okay. If we don't believe it, we're not doing it. Right. Exactly. So. Cameron, like we are so aligned. I uh, (laughs) wish that we could 
film even more right now, but I know that you have other coaching commitments. And But I so appreciate your time on Successful with ADHD. If people want to find you, where would be the best place? So the best place would be my website. Uh, it's camerongott.com. And from there, you can sort of see what, what, I'm, what I'm up to. You know, the interesting thing I'm doing is this class called Equanimity. See, I can't even say it myself. So equanimity is this sense of just, again, being with strong emotions and uh, you're kind of just going along. And, and so that's the name of the course. And that's my interest right now is like having a different experience with emotions and letting them inform versus this thing that are, it's hard to regulate or manage. So, yeah, I appreciate that. It's a lot of acceptance and, and riding the wave of emotions to get to the level that you need, but being acceptance of where you are. So CameronGott.com with two T's, everyone listening. Yeah. And, and also, and translating ADHD podcast. It's a wonderful podcast. Make sure that you go follow if you're not already. All right. Thank you so much, Cameron, for your time. It's been a pleasure, Brooke. Thank you so much. I'd, I'd love to come back sometime. So, Thanks for listening to this episode of Successful with ADHD. I hope it helps you on your journey. And if you need any additional support for you or a loved one with ADHD, feel free to reach out to us at coachingwithbrooke.com and all social media platforms at Coaching with Brooke. And remember, it's Brooke with an E. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.